Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Gigas Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was... At that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think for South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5. The Game. I'll touch my Phoenix sweater. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Monday. A lot of things happening in the world of Gamecock athletics. Got a little bit of football news to start off the day, though. Chris wrote about this on Gamecock Central a little bit earlier this morning. Seems that Freddie Kitchens is set to depart the South Carolina program, head up north to uh, join the Tar Heel staff with Mac Brown. Yeah, Mac Brown lost his tight ends coach, veteran John Lilly, who I believe has been at uh, FSU, Georgia, North Carolina. He was on Mark Rake's staff at Georgia for a long time. Moving on to Frank Reich's staff with the Carolina Panthers recently, and so that left a gap on the coaching staff. This one, admittedly, not something we were really tracking, Wes. Maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, hadn't really gotten any wind of this on threes. Matt Zenitz reported it earlier today. Um, certainly appears every indication to be true. Matt does a, a really, really good job over there for on three, tracking all the movement in the coaching industry. Um, Shane Beamer's lost a few off-field staffers who've been pretty important um, this offseason, Stanton Weber, uh, who did a great job under Pete Limbo, special teams analyst, moving on to Toledo into a full-time position. Nick Coleman, who was an offensive analyst, split the play-calling duties with Freddie Kitchens during the Gator Bowl. He's at UAB as the quarterback's coach. Kristen Coggin, who headed up the nutrition, heading to Nebraska. So um, a few on-field guys uh, had interest shown in them this offseason as well, um, and, and South Carolina was able to hold on to those. So this happens, you know, when you hire people who have uh, who do a good job or have really good resumes or both, you know, you're, you're typically going to lose some. It is an interesting move, though, because Kitchens, you know, he started his coaching career in the college game. Um, 1999, I think, was his first job. But he had some carryover with Shane Beamer on the Mississippi State staff under Sylvester Croom back in 2005. And um, that was, I think, his last college job. He jumped into the NFL from 06 to, like, 2021. Yeah, he was with the Giants. With the Giants. Yeah, and, of course, had a head coaching uh, stint with the Cleveland Browns after serving as their OC. So it looked like every indication was he was content with just being an off-field guy at South Carolina, being an analyst, 
Uh, but this opportunity popped up and, and looks like he wants to take it. Kind of interesting that he is at North Carolina, which yes. happens to be your first opponent next year if you're South Carolina. So that that to me, that there's always going to be some layers to South Carolina, North Carolina. This is a very interesting additional layer to this. And, you know, I, I think first of all, Matt Zenitz, I, I don't know, I don't know how this guy does it, but um, he does as good a job as anybody out there of keeping track with the uh, the the movement within the coaching community as far as breaking some of these things, and uh, he, he did it again here. So shout out to him. But I, I mean, I, I think it's interesting just in the game planning of now you you do have a new offensive coordinator at South Carolina, obviously. So it, there's not this specific complete carryover that there would have been if Satterfield, you know, was still at South Carolina and Kitchens had been at South Carolina for a year under him. It, it was kind of interesting to me how, you know, how things with Kitchens sort of, uh, I guess, changed in that when he, when he was first hired, my, I mean, my impression was that it may be, um, you know, a, a short stint that with his resume, if he didn't want to, you know, if he wanted to get back into being an on-the-field coach, whether that was at college or the NFL, he had the resume and the connections, the networking to make it happen. And then you did hear, granted, these were sort of, I would say, just rumblings, but, you know, I, I heard some chatter like, you know, hey, you like Sirius Happy here. Um, you know, I think his daughter um, is a student athlete at South Carolina. And so, so it was, you know, he may be content staying in that role. But I, I would imagine... You know, if you're a coach, you're you're content until um, you know you, you have another opportunity. And this is this pops up. It's an on the field coach. It's certainly going to pay more. And you know, I, I think it was an opportunity, obviously, to to get a little bit more control and to be an actual position coach. And 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 maybe was just too good of a chance to turn down because he doesn't really have to completely uproot things again. You're talking about one stayed up and, you know, going to work for a really solid coach in, in Mac Brown. Well, and again, a guy that was a former NFL head coach and certainly high profile offensive coordinator as well, you knew he wasn't going to stay in the analyst role for long. We've seen this time and time again out at, out at Alabama. It's kind of a step to get you back on track to where you want to go, which would maybe eventually be coming a head coach again. We've never seen him as a head coach in college, but this is a point I brought up to Colin, in the last hour, you know, Mac Brown got the extension through what? I think January of 27 a couple of weeks ago, January of 28. Um, you know, his time at North Carolina is going to come to an end sooner rather than later. He's in his 70s. He's not going to be coaching them for another 10 to 15 years. So if you're a guy like Freddie Kitchens going to take a tight ends role up there, it's like, okay, there's a realistic shot. Maybe he can be the North Carolina head coach in four to five seasons. Maybe he views that as an opportunity as well. But again, you know, you're not going to hold him as a analyst forever, given the jobs that he's had before talking about the resume. Um, but, you know, again, he was able to do well for you when you needed him, especially in the bowl game with him and Nick Coleman coming up with the game plan there. And, uh, you know, we'll see what he does in North Carolina. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, to, to go back to the other point, what, what do y'all, I mean, what do y'all think this means for game planning for next year for North Carolina? I mean, North Carolina obviously... They're pretty familiar with South Carolina's talent, uh, you know, 
that they played him in a bowl game, obviously not this past season, but the season before. So there's some carryover there. And, you know, in, in some ways you, you're talking about, if you're talking about two full seasons separation in college football, there is a, you know, just a huge difference in, in what the the rosters are going to look like there. But I think Mac Brown and, and Shane Beamer obviously are, are friends. There's some carryover there in terms of them, you know, being familiar with each other, uh, you know, dating back to, you know, the Frank Beamer days. And, you know, I, I think both sides probably have paid attention to each his programs. And I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, is it is it a small storyline? Is it is it a meaningless factor completely? Is it a big factor or is it, uh, you know, this might have a small impact here or there, but isn't really a factor at all as as far as him having a familiarity with South Carolina and the roster and what they would want to do. Maybe Freddie can give them some insight this time into the fact that they could possibly slot to carry on Joiner at quarterback. They seem to have absolutely no idea that, that was a possibility last time. I mean, you know, there there are some changes. You know, you got to keep in mind the timing here. February 27th, spring ball doesn't open for another uh, over a couple weeks, mid-March, really. And so the timing of this hire makes it so that, you know, Freddie Kitchens hasn't gone through, say, an entire spring with Dowell Loggins, you know, as the offensive coordinator. He's he's obviously going to have more familiarity than your average person with the personnel at South Carolina. Um, you know, resources are so great in college football now that, you know, you, you see these coaches, they have these – I don't even know how many inches these binders are. If you've ever been in a college football coach's office, they have binders for their game plans, and they have all these detailed scouting reports on basically every kid on the roster, except North Carolina didn't have one for to carry on in 2021. <laughs> and, you know, so they devote a lot of time and resources, and you can there's so much more data than you would have, you know, 10, 15 years ago even. But someone who works on a college football staff and literally is around the kids on a basically a daily basis, they're going to know a few more things. Well, I think about it like this, again, with Dow Loggins being the offensive coordinator, and we still haven't seen what that offense is going to be yet. If anything, wouldn't Freddie Kitchens be able to give North Carolina more info on what the defense does, given the fact that he was there seeing it in practice every day and kind of knows what their nuances are as opposed to this offense that he doesn't really know what they're going to do? I, I would think to an extent, and I, I would think, you know, he probably knows more along the lines of, hey, th- this guy left, this guy graduated, this guy transferred, but based on what I saw, you know, this sophomore who hasn't really played is probably in line, you know, to step in and play some role. This this guy who didn't really do a whole lot last year showed promise and here are his tendencies. I, I think there there is some value to having, you know, an understanding of the roster and understanding what the different skill sets are from some guys that maybe there's not a lot of tape out there on, you know, maybe you know, maybe even shoot, as, as much as Pete Limbo tends to get one over on opponents on special teams. Maybe there's a, hey, watch, watch out for this. Pete Limbo likes this in this situation. You know, I, I think it's just a little bit more of an understanding uh, of your opponent. And, you know, but that's part of it. You see guys move around and, and ball all the time. Certainly with the separation here, again, it's February 27th. 
you know, maybe it's not a huge big thing, but I, I think certainly just like I said, it's another layer to a game that I, I think will have many layers. And, you know, you're talking about a border battle. You're talking about it being a Charlotte. And as we've talked about already, you're talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the country squaring off in this game as well. You guys had some recent conversations with the head coach Beamer. We'll get your breakdown and his thoughts. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. As we head into this break, though, South Carolina baseball in action again tomorrow as they take on North Carolina A&T. Have pair of tickets for caller number five. Be the fifth caller, 803-404-6100. Win yourself a pair of tickets for Founders Park tomorrow. Gamecocks versus NCANT. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on your Monday I should ask you guys this when we open the show, but it sounds like you had a lot of fun out at the Main Street Firehouse Subs on uh, Friday. We had a blast. Had some folks come by. Saw some of Penn's baseball team uh, getting ready for their sweep at the hands of the Gamecocks. Well, if, if, if they had come in and had a sub, maybe they would have won one oh, of the games. so they just walked by. I thought, they they just, actually, I thought they actually came inside. Walked right on by, and that was their main problem. But well, we did not have that problem. We well, were out there for three hours. Winners eat firehouse. They do, absolutely. Uh, Larry Chandler, the wonderful owner, gave us, Wes, what may have been the best tray yet we've had, or the best sampler platter. It included, actually, interestingly enough, today's sub of the day, which is the meatball. It is Meatball Monday. At Firehouse Subs, 14 different locations throughout the Midlands. If you're close to the studio, closest one to you, right down the road there on campus at Main Street. That's where we were on Friday from 9 to noon. You can find one near you. If you just drive around, you'll probably see one, or you can go online, firehousesubs.com. Find the closest location next to you. You can also use the Rapid Rescue to order your Firehouse Subs sub of the day. That's $5.99 for a small, $7.99 for a medium or you can download the Firehouse Subs app and join the rewards program so that you can work on getting yourself some free Firehouse Subs. But for today, Meatball Monday, seven ninety nine for a medium. Go check it out at your local Firehouse Subs location. And Chris, you just mentioned a few minutes ago, we are a few weeks away from spring ball getting started. Of course, spring game coming up on April the 15th. Spring is a time for position battles, also a time for these younger guys to step up, somebody that maybe didn't have a big role this past season, looking for an opportunity to fill those gaps left behind by departing start or by guys departing for the draft, departing for graduation, departing for the transfer portal. And, you know, Shane Beamer definitely views the spring as an opportunity to learn what a lot of these guys can do and see how some of these guys can contribute by the time the fall rolls around. Yeah, I think um, you, sometimes you, you got a couple different buckets, at least. First, when you're looking at the spring or preseason, even if you have some new additions to your roster, and you have a position that maybe doesn't necessarily have to be deficient, but maybe wasn't. You, you don't have a starter that was super entrenched. Your, your production could be better. You can always see a guy from the roster overtake that spot, or maybe you get a newcomer, whether it's a freshman or a transfer portal guy, that can step in and take that role. But you also have where you have key defections from the roster. And so South Carolina is probably going to have some of both of those buckets for 2023. But they definitely have some of those holes 
on the defensive side of the ball is, I think, where we could start. Wes, they lose two starting corners, Cam mm-hmm. Smith and Darius Rush. You also lose two starting linebackers in Sherrod Green um, and Brad Johnson, who were six-year guys for this program. So you're losing some, some playmaking, some talent, and certainly a lot of experience. Yeah, I think, Chris, the uh, the positions you, you naturally look at, at least for me, uh, one on the defensive side, one on the offensive side, would be edge and running back. And, you know, I, I think they've got to go get a portal guy really at both of those spots. And I, I think ideally, like, you're you're hoping you can actually find a true difference maker. Now, that, that's going to be determined by a host of other factors. Who is available? Is there – I mean, we've seen how this portal stuff plays out. Is there a prior sort of connection – a prior relationship? Is there a reason for a guy to look at you? And, you know, in, in some cases, honestly, man, it's like there, there's luck involved. Like, did did you happen to be able to just get in touch with the kid first? I mean, you know, Devonnie Reed, I remember, you know, there was no prior connections whatsoever between South Carolina and Devonnie Reed. And it was just quite literally that South Carolina kind of saw him in there first and was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Let's reach out and, you know, hits him up and, and starts getting something scheduled before everybody else could. And so I, I think, again, ideally, though, you want a guy who can make a difference at either one of those positions. I, I think certainly at edge, you probably, even if you can't get a difference maker, just even a depth guy, you probably have to take one even if you can't find that just elite guy. Now, you kind of look at it, you know, maybe some other spots you probably say, hey, this is this is a spot where if there was an elite guy that would just pop up, you'd take him. But you're not necessarily feeling like you have to you have to add another sort of body to the roster for lack of a better way to say it. And you know, I, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting based on some of our conversations. You know, South Carolina actually could potentially take a DB Mm -hmm. out of the portal if the right guy came along. Now, I think based on what we've both been told, I I think they actually feel pretty good about their overall numbers in the defensive backfield. There's kind of depth, but if if the right kid came along, I would take that to mean, Chris, kind of a lockdown corner type. Or, you know, maybe maybe even if it's an elite safety. Not that safety is like a massive need. Last year, going to last year, safety was a massive need. But if an elite guy came along, that actually would open you up to the Eamon Worry conversation that people are tired of me talking about. <laughs> or to DQ Smith, you know, kind of just be like, all right, he's a nickel. He's going to play nickel, period. Yeah. And then even if Eamon Warren was at safety, this other um, mythical safety that I have made up would, would be the other starter. But but ideally, I think if a lockdown corner came along and it just made sense that she would go try to bring him in because we got we got to remember, Darius Rush, Cam Smith played very good ball for this defense last year. And a point I think you brought up, Chris, that allowed Clayton White to feel very comfortable being more and more aggressive as the season went along. And the the deeper in the year it went, the more, I don't know if the analytics backed this up, the more it felt like South Carolina was willing to blitz, 
bring extra guys, um, you know, lots of cover one, some sort of cover zero, you know, nobody's deep on the back end type stuff. And I think that if you want to be able to do that again, you have to feel good about those cornerbacks. Well, and you look at, there, there's already a little bit of evidence in addition. I mean, I don't think we need more evidence than our conversation was, you know, Shane Beamer, and he's sitting there talking about portal targets and mentions that there's a possibility that they could take another portal DB. But you look back several weeks, or heck, it's hard to keep up, Wes, with the current timeline, how fast things are progressing. But they offered Trevez Johnson from Florida, who ended up committing to Missouri. So he'll play for them next year, transfer from Florida, Trevez Johnson. And he was a guy that played some safety and nickel, you know, at Florida. And so, now, could he play? I mean, we know Torian Gray likes to cross-train his guys, but the background there is safety nickel. So, I think it is fascinating, you know, where if it's kind of maybe best available guy, I'm with you that the bigger need may be corner. So, let's, let's talk about some of the guys that got on the roster now that are going – we know they don't have Rush or Smith. So – the appearance would certainly be, the expectation would be that your two corners are going to be Marcellus Dial and O.D. Fortune. Mm -hmm. O.D. played a good bit during the season, sometimes when a guy would go down for a little bit. Sometimes he'd just be in there. He played a lot during the bowl game. Played a ton against Clemson. Played a lot against Clemson. Marcellus Dial um, obviously finished the year very strong. So you feel pretty good about those guys. I don't don't think you feel Cam Smith, Darius Rush good, but you feel good about them. Keenan Nelson Jr. has come along at nickel. You've got even more. You've got DQ. DQ could start at nickel or safety or both, depending week to week. He seems to be capable of handling that. You've got some youngsters on the roster that could play several different positions. The guy that I think everybody, including myself, forgets about is David Spaulding. You know, Spaulding has started his career as a nickel, but then you remember the Kentucky game. He's playing. They move him to safety, makes a huge play on the first play of the game, ends up getting hurt, missing the rest of the season. But he's another important guy to this team because he also has positional versatility. He's very smart. He can play nickel. He can play safety. I feel like last year we're coming in going, this team probably has more corners, corner types and safeties. This year, you might even feel better about safety. Is that fair? I mean, you got probably four guy, three or four guys that you feel pretty good about there. Yeah, I think you do. And that, I mean, the if you look at it from the prism of where we are right now, if we were trying to like project out, I don't think you or I would would be saying, "Oh yeah, I bet a year from now we'll be saying Carolina feels really good at safety because <laughs> you wouldn't have." You know, I think you and I are both very high on Eamon Worry, but to even say, to even, it, it wouldn't have been fair to put on him the expectations to do what he ended up actually doing, you know? And, and then DQ, DQ Smith, I mean, he was a late addition to this class and primarily was a quarterback in high school. So, I mean, let, let's be honest, those two guys have stepped up and put you in a position to where you can say that sentence. Then you add in Spalding, you, of course, add in a guy that I, I think, you know, we're all going to have eyes on in Jalen Kilgore during the spring. Peyton Williams is someone we're not really talking about, but he stepped in and hung in there at the Tennessee game when Eamon Worry was out because of the targeting call. So, I mean, 
yeah, I think you feel pretty good about safety. I look at corner, and you you do have a spot there, Chris, where the, the good programs sort of, this is how they do. You lose two guys, and in theory, your hope is that you've kind of been training the next two guys, and they just sort of naturally step in. And in the case, certainly, of Marcellus Dow, we saw him sort of be South Carolina's third corner, basically. At times when DQ Smith was playing nickel, that meant Marcellus wasn't a starter. Um, when Cam Smith slid in and became the nickel, Marcellus was a starter. But point being, pretty much any way you sort of shape it up, he was the third corner, and it's kind of like you're getting him ready. He's going to slide into the top spot next year. Well, your fourth corner last year was O.D. Fortune. This is a more traditional way, I feel like, of building a roster where you're getting that guy ready to move in. It's not, oh, I got to go out, I got to get a transfer portal guy, which is the more new way to do it, or the way you don't want to have to do it, oh, I need this freshman to come in and play. Like This is the traditional way you do it. Now, the, the matter is, hey, are these guys as good? Can they be as good? As Cam and Darius, that is still a real question, I think. And so if you're South Carolina, you want to simultaneously show confidence in these guys. You want to empower them. You want to tell Marcellus Style and O.D. Fortune, hey, guys, you're next in line because you've waited your turn, you've earned it, and you've worked hard to get here. But everybody needs a backup plan, and you need to have it in mind what it would look like if it just doesn't work out. If one of the, you know, I, I think Marcellus Dow, you feel pretty good the way he finished the year about him stepping in. Um, you know, and I think you feel better about OD Fortune than you certainly did um, at the beginning of last year. But you need to have a plan and you got to build depth as well. All right, we'll run into this time. I'll come back on the other side. How Wes and Chris give a little refresher on the transfer portal because it does work a little bit differently in the springtime as opposed to the window that just closed over the winter. As we head in this break, though, got another pair of tickets for tomorrow's baseball game against North Carolina A&T. Caller number 5 at 803-404-6100. Win yourself a pair of tickets. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back at the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. Continuing our conversation. Relating to spring ball and sharing up this roster. Figuring out what you have as you approach the upcoming fall season. And I mentioned this before the break. There is another window for the transfer portal after spring practice beginning on May the 15th. This one a little bit different than the one in the wintertime that just closed in mid-January. If you guys could just I guess, let people know, give people a refresher on how things work a little bit differently in the springtime. Yeah, I mean, so right now, here's the deal. If people are in the transfer portal, you can still... They can still join a roster, right? But they they just, don't trap you in there. <laughs> you're not stuck in the in the portal. But you also have to consider that there are window. You got the transfer portal window. You also have windows of time where you can actually join a college program. So right. 
classes start, you've got semesters, some, some places have quarter systems or whatever it may be. So that's another consideration. You don't just show up at a football team and uh, football team say, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to play. You know, um, there are plenty of logistics on both sides, uh, on all sides for it, but you can't enter the portal generally outside of one of these windows unless you're a grad transfer. So May 1st through the 15th will represent another two-week, roughly, window where guys can jump back in. And presumably, that is so that guys can who are not in the portal can go through spring practice with their program and kind of reassess the situation. Maybe they're not getting as much playing time um, as they had wanted or any other number of things may happen, and then they can jump back in. On the other side, you've got college coaches who will have had on their side, also a full spring to assess the situation at South Carolina. Nothing is going to change unless something goes, I mean, completely unforeseen. Nothing's going to change to change their fact that they're going to have to, as Wes said, jump in and get a running back and edge player. Sure. And I think that's even if they're very happy with the guys that they already have on the roster this spring. Um, you know, you look at edge, for instance, for South Carolina, another kind of one of those forgotten guys who's going to be important um, is Terrell Dawkins. Even if he is healthy and has a wonderful spring, you're still going to look at it and say, okay, got Jordan Strong back, got right. Terrell Dawkins, got Brian Thomas Jr., Tyreek Johnson has some experience. They're still going to feel like they need to go in and jump in and get another guy. Yeah, I think um, the Daw- Dawkins is definitely a, a forgotten guy. And you know, the interesting thing, it was kind of, I don't want to say strange, but but the way it played out last year, you know, Dawkins came in and, you know, we had written, hey, this is a guy they, they really like, someone that's going to be competing for playing time. I think we had slotted him, I don't know, Chris, maybe being like the third end. And then, so then Gilbert Edmond comes on strong going into fall, like going into the season. And... It sort of felt like Dawkins had a little bit of an up-and-down spring, but he finished the spring uh, on a high note, and I remember watching him in the spring game, and he had a you know a great game, uh, I thought. And then, you know, I, I think there was some question, maybe, all right, he's trying to find his best playing weight for the SEC level that also lets him maintain his quickness and his speed. And, you know, he was in the conversation, but it didn't really feel like he was able to push, obviously, past you know, a Gilbert Edmond, for example. And then he had the injury, and the injury kept him out for a while. And then you sort of always wonder, all right, how much, even though he's back from injury, how much is that affecting his ability to push into the rotation? And step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply It, it just didn't happen even though Carolina was in a spot where, you know, they they were losing guys, obviously, with no Jordan Strong out there. So I, I think this is a guy you kind of circle. If you want to 
not that everybody you can put them in categories or buckets or anything like that, but if you were trying to put guys in broad categories, I think he's a guy that you kind of circle and say, all right, this is a huge spring for him. And uh, not just a, a huge spring for South Carolina at that position, but for Terrell Dawkins to say, look, I have an opportunity here. I've got a chance to sort of maybe ease some concern by the staff at that spot and prove I'm I'm capable of going out there and at the very least playing a bunch of meaningful snaps. Uh, you know, the, the top end of that is he goes out there and says, you know, hey, I, I'm here. I'm, I want to be a starter, and he proves he's capable of that. The bottom end of that is, you know, it's kind of like, well, we, we still don't feel good about it. You know, so I, I think there's some wide ranges there. Beamer has mentioned mentioned him, mentioned Tyreek Johnson. He's been on campus for a long time and played as a reserve last year. Can you know, is there more upside to go there? Can he step up a little bit? Then you have Brian Thomas Jr., who played some last year as a true freshman, was a little bit more situational. I'll be honest, I think his his size sort of limits his long-term upside as far as being someone they count on as a true starter. But uh, certainly if he could step, take a step forward, that is very helpful there as well. But um, ultimately, you kind of, for me, Chris, Dawkins, and, and partially, you know, Shane Beamer mentioned him to us, uh, you know, front and center as being a guy they're going to have their eyes on. And then what about Dez? You know, Dez Umiozulu comes in, true freshman, incredibly high upside. How quickly can Sterling Lucas bring him along and put him in a place to potentially impact that position? Yeah, there's just, right now, there's not a lot of depth. There's not even a lot of proven production beyond Jordan Strong, who, who by the way, is still coming off a knee injury. And I think it's, what, Wes, at least his second in his career. And so, you hope that everything's normal, totally fine. We've, we've seen guys do do it before, whether it's one ACL, two ACLs. We've even seen Thomas Davis for the Panthers had like seven. <laughs> oh, I think he had three. Um, so you've seen it before. But there are a lot of questions there, and some of it is really counting on some guys to make that leap. Now, it could happen. Like last year, th- think back to last season. You started the season with Jordan Strong, Jordan Birch, and then you kind of needed, we'd heard Gilbert Edmond had made a, a lot of strides in the offseason. Well, you needed both of the Jordans to take a step forward. You needed somebody else like a Gilbert Edmond to step forward. Jordan Strong gets hurt. Birch does take a step forward overall, and Gilbert Edmond certainly takes a step forward overall. So those things can happen, uh, but you, you do have to kind of bank on that right now. And, I mean, go back to another you know story from the portal, South Carolina wasn't able to get Trajan Jeffcoat out of the portal. That obviously hurt, and that would have been a huge, huge factor for them this season. So um, you're kind of back to the drawing board there. There are some options on the roster. I think everyone would feel comfortable if you had another guy or two even that you could that you could bring in. Beyond that, you're going to be counting on you know Jordan Strong being fully healthy and staying healthy, everybody on the roster staying healthy, uh, Dawkins taking that step forward, some other guys taking that step forward, and then even getting creative. You know, Donovan Westmoreland, for instance, someone you could see as a pass rusher at edge. He's not going to play there full time. He's a linebacker. Um, but he's got experience doing that at the high school level, and you might could see that some this season. 
And this will be a conversation we can continue to have as spring goes along. Again, that transfer portal opening up again on May the 15th. Definitely going to need some more depth at the edge and running back positions. We'll come back on the other side. For that, can you guys guess what I have at the break here for caller number five? I'm going to guess you got some tickets. I have more tickets for baseball. So, yes, be caller number 5-803-404-6100. Another pair of tickets as Gamecocks baseball takes on North Carolina A&T at Founders Park tomorrow at 4 o'clock. We'll wrap up today's edition of the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs right after this. There's Warren. Jumper for the baseline, no good. Rebound L.A. And the Gamecocks can dribble out the clock. The South Carolina Gamecocks are SEC champions. There will be no sharing. They've run the table here in the regular season. Run their record to 29-0, 16-0 in the SEC, knocking off Georgia 73-63 on senior day. You heard it yesterday in WISW. That was Brad Muller calling the Gamecocks women's team, picking up the victory against Georgia 73-63, wrapping up a perfect regular season, perfect in conference play, claiming sole ownership of the regular season SEC title. And now they set their sights to the SEC tournament. Well, they'll be in action on Friday, taking on either Arkansas or Missouri, as this team continues to uh, pursue perfection and another national championship. Man, how special. I mean, I, I can't say anything that hasn't already been said, but we'll just reiterate it and say it again. That senior class... Uh, I mean, for for every reason you could think of, from winning a national title to setting a new standard to staying together to setting, I would say, guys, not just a standard for winning, but a standard for putting the team and program above yourself. I mean, it, it's incredible. The numbers are incredible. But I think even more impressive than the numbers is just the way they have carried themselves and represented not just themselves and their families, but the university as well. And, I mean, you're talking about people and players who, Chris, could have... I mean, Zaya Cook could be... If she went somewhere else where she just wanted to be the star of the show... I mean, she's showing it this year. She's actually their leading scorer. And uh, Don Staley made a compelling case uh, for her for All-American. But, you know, she could have been... 20 points a game, 22 points. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if there's a limit on what she could have been as far as just racking up personal accolades, but uh like the rest of this class has chosen that they wanted to be more than that. And I think that that sets the standard for the players who are next that hey, if you want to come here, you can win titles, but you have you have to be willing at times to sit and wait and to to maybe give a little bit in order to earn that. It actually is very much. I know it seems like we compare everything to football, but doesn't it remind you of Saban and Alabama and the number of guys who are highly recruited four and five star guys, but wait their turn to go be in the spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the thing about what Dawn Staley's done, I think it's kind of made us numb a little bit to, you know, it's just kind of uh, another day, another win. This is not easy. You know, it's not easy to go undefeated, and that should go without saying, but they've just been so dominant. And even when they haven't been dominant, the ability to to not bring your A game um, and still be able to win, whether it's um, 
you know, kind of getting outplayed by Tennessee for a few quarters, frankly, but then still finding a way to go on a run and win later in the game. Um, even against Georgia, you know, you, you win by 10, Don't probably don't play your A game in that contest, but what you've got on the line is a perfect SEC record and a perfect home record and a perfect overall record this season. Those things are very hard to achieve, and and for them to do it, I think we shouldn't lose sight of just how hard it is. Um, some stats here from Chris Wellbaum, who, by the way, has been covering Dawn from the beginning and does a fantastic job for us at Gamecock Central. You know, nine previous teams have done this, and they all, whew, not to jinx it, they've all capped their season with a national championship. The last one to do it was UConn in 2016. On the men's side, there's 12 undefeated teams, according to Wellbaum, but none since 1976. And when I mean undefeated, that means all the way through. Right. All the way through. So they haven't accomplished that yet, but they have, you know, potentially uh, three games in the SEC tournament and six in the NCAA tournament in order to be able to do that. And Don Staley's talked about this a lot. You know, when you win the national championship, it's hard to say you have a chip on your shoulder going into the next season, but they've used the two losses they had last year to Missouri and Kentucky in the SEC championship game as the motivating factor. Like, hey, we didn't accomplish everything we wanted to. We didn't go undefeated last season, and that's been the driving force for their success this year. And, you know, when you look at in men's and women's basketball, a lot of times these number one seeds, when you look at their conference tournaments, like, yeah, they want to win, but if they got bounced in the you know first or second game, it's not the end of the world. They'd still be a number one seed. We'll give them some extra rest, whatever, you know, so on and so forth. Not for this team. They want to be perfect. They want to win the SEC conference championship. They want to obviously take that momentum into March Madness here in a couple of weeks. Like nothing short of perfection is really going to be good enough for these guys or for these girls. And back to Wes's point, you know, the culture that, that Dawn has built is really something to be, you know, I think treasured by Gamecock fans. And probably, you know, others are going to try to mimic it, but it's it's hard to do because of how how she's built it and how, I think, unique and kind of special it is. This isn't a program that's been here for 20 years. You know, she kind of built it. They've had some pockets, right, of success in the past. Um, you look around and there's some players that used to be on Dawn's roster that are playing and playing well for other programs, you know, uh, Sinai Rivers, NC State, LaDasia Williams for LSU. There's, there are others, but the ones who did stick around, number one, who bought in early, this class, this senior class has been talked about so much that you brought up, Tyler, them taking that leap and jumping in and then sticking with it throughout has really paid off. And then for the ones who have had to wait their turn, who have maybe played more of not an insignificant role, but not a starting role or not, you know, 30 minutes a game. Those girls are still playing a key role in this team. And, um, you know, something that Dawn talked about after the last national championship, she was very quick to credit not only her starters, but the players that, you know, came off the bench and waited their turn. Well, I think they've done a great job of trying to get when there are opportunities, trying to get them in the game and, and finding a role for as many girls as possible. But, um, you know, I, I just I, I go back to we'll finish it off with with the senior class and the fact that I, I think I'm trying to think of the words Don Staley used. Um, she, she basically said they were they're very low maintenance. You know, if you sometimes you bring in people who are highly rated and this goes for any sport and they sort of maybe 
you know, maybe those rules don't apply to me or I'm I'm better than that. And, you know, for for this group, um, they have, have been team first the entire way. And I think that just goes to establish for the next, you know, that there are going to be more number one classes. There are going to be, and some of them are already on campus, but there will be, you know, a number one recruit to come in. And if you're, if you're joining this program, you kind of now, and if you're Don Staley, you have built up the credibility to where you can firmly say, hey, we don't care if you're the number one prospect in the country. You still have to operate a certain way within the confines of our program. If you didn't have that credibility built up or if you were the number one coming in and nobody else around is as good as you, then you maybe get treated a little bit differently. But now, um, I mean, the sta- the standard, like the top standard, the top goal is to win a national championship. That's the best finish the program has ever had. Well, they're now, I guess, nine games away from what would be setting a new standard, and that would be the greatest standard you can ever set that can can be, it's like a 100-yard, you know, play in football. It can be tied, but it can never be broken. So that that is what they're fighting for, and that is the reason why I still believed a loss, a late game loss to reset you and all these things. I don't, I'm not here for that. I don't buy that. It's not a good thing because you're chasing true greatness, which is an unbeaten season. Their quest for perfection will continue on Friday, tip off at noon as they await the winner of the second round game between Arkansas and Missouri. That game going to be at Thursday at noon. So uh, South Carolina benefiting from that double buy, and we'll certainly talk about it more as the week goes along. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. For Wes and Chris, I'm Tyler. Halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next, 107.5 The Game. WNKT-FM, East Over Columbia, your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game, a cumulus media station. Do you know about PrEP? PrEP is a medication, either pill or a shot, taken to prevent HIV. PrEP can reduce your risk of getting HIV through sexual contact by more than 90%. PrEP will not protect you from STIs like syphilis, gonorrhea, or chlamydia. So using a condom while on PrEP is advised. To learn if PrEP is right for you, visit scdhack.gov backslash PrEP. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.